0: Hi, and welcome back to The European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love our show, share it with your friends and join us in the EU VC community syndicates at theeuropeanvc.com. For this episode of our special series on navigating the current market, we're talking to an old friend of The European VC, Oliver, founding and managing partner of Speedinvest as one of Europe's leading seed funds with six teams investing across as many verticals and great exposure to both the early and the late stage in their portfolio. Oliver has the perfect vantage point to comment on the status of the current market. If you enjoy our content, do support us by hitting the follow button, giving it a review and following us on LinkedIn. This episode is part of a special series on navigating the current market and is sponsored by Isma Capital, one of Europe's leading fund of funds. We thank Isma for their support in making this episode possible and being a strong supporter of the EUVC community. If you haven't yet connected with them, make sure to do so. You couldn't wish for a better LP partner.
1: Oliver, thank you so much for joining us here on Such Short Notice for this special series on how to navigate the current climate. It's amazing to have you with us again. Thank
2: you. Thanks for having me.
1: So let's jump right into it. We're having doom serious everywhere. Everyone is saying that the great tech reset has come and others are saying, you know, well, we kind of had seen that coming for quite some time. So it's only good that it's finally here. But let's start with the macro view. What are you seeing happening right now?
2: First of all, macro means macro, and macro is much bigger than tech. (laughs) That's true. Honestly, I'm personally much, much more worried about true macro than tech. Uh, I think if you look at the combination of the war in Europe and the inflation and what's going on in the U.S. and the little uh, political muscle that there is to counter all that, that worries me. Much more than than our little tech bubble. If I'm honest about it,
1: we are hearing at the same time as we're you know we go on our LinkedIn and Twitter and then we see the te- great tech reset already happening and evaluations going through the floor, and then at the same time we're hearing our normal news saying we have a recession coming. Most likely, it's not just yet here yet. And you know, how do you see the interplay between what we're seeing in our tech bubble and the macro perspective?
2: What I've seen in the past, it's always the same. So first of all, tech always reacts faster than the rest. Uh, so we are always early in, and then much more dramatic, right? Our, our bounces up and down are much bigger than the regular economy. So that's happening as we speak. And what I'm also keep seeing is that US is much faster and much more brutal in their reaction than Europe. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now dialing in out of Austria. Here, nobody in the tech ecosystem really has seen it yet. I mean, everybody's talking about it, but it's all still very comfortable. And on the West Coast a few weeks ago, that was a very, very different uh, atmosphere. Yeah. So I think it's coming. It's, it's obviously has reached the tech stock in the U.S. dramatically. But again, if we look then at the, this pre-seed seed market in Central Eastern Europe, it's a long way from Nasdaq. So there's a delay and there's also a, obviously a cushioning effect. And I think at the end of the day, what does this mean? That means we have to very, very much uh, differentiate uh, on every specific occasion to make sure you react uh, accordingly. But yeah, as mentioned, I think that it's happening, it's coming down, it has come down, but I'm personally also inclined to think that it's going to go up uh, sooner in our sector, in our specific ecosystem than, for example, in overall economy. I think we will be much faster to recover.
1: Also, Oliver, before proceeding to the next, I'd love to ask you, so Speedmaster, investing across different funds. You're all very rarely, but very different verticals. Are you seeing or expecting anything different in those sectors?
3: We do,
2: which also has to do with the maturity of our portfolio and with basically the momentum that we've seen in different sectors. So obviously, biggest momentum was in fintech over the last couple of years, especially for our portfolio, but also in marketplaces and more consumer-centric propositions. That's why we also now see the biggest impact already now happening in Europe with a lot of rounds being either delayed or actually reset in terms of uh, terms, valuations, all these things. I also see, we have, I mean, we've started investing in emerging markets a few years ago, and, and that's also where we see a lot of this happening, actually more than in Europe.
1: Yeah, interesting.
2: Other areas, other geographies and other sectors, less less uh, obvious, for example, for us, The last two quarters, all the climate tech, industrial tech, deep tech actually has seen more up rounds than we've ever seen in the last couple of years. I mean, that is to some degree a coincidence because simply the cohort of companies is now mature enough to raise these rounds. But all these rounds are happening and they have not been significantly impacted in terms of valuation or in terms of momentum in the rounds. So that clearly is a different thing going on.
1: I need to double down on what you just said with the emerging markets versus Europe. Why do you see emerging markets acting faster? What do you think is the cost of that?
2: Well, I mean, on a high level, you could argue emerging markets. Again, most of our emerging market uh, companies are fintech. And again, you simply add one additional layer of risk to the situation. Yeah. And I think that just creates even more imbalance or more momentum to stop around or not move forward or renegotiate valuations. So that's kind of the high level. We are long-term believers in these markets, but obviously the the big guys. I mean, all of this money typically comes from the US or from large Asian players, and they're all so much under pressure. given the overall performance
3: numbers. That it's it's not surprising that these rounds now are delayed or not happening. So Oliver, the natural question for me, you know, after kind of looking at the current climate as it is today, is asking you, so what are you doing inside of the firm? What kind of measures are you taking or, or not taking? I'd <laughs> love to hear you expand a bit on that.
2: Well, multiple things. You know, it starts with our own firm. I mean, I've, sweet this has grown a lot. Uh, a lot of my team is, is pretty young and has been investing in basically an environment where there was little, yeah, there was going up all the time, right? So a lot of yeah. the hustling Went into going into rounds, getting into rounds. Uh, a lot of the hustling went into which term sheet to take from a top tier investor, and and so we had our offsite retreat uh, last week, and the key message there was really okay. We have to recalibrate your hustling. You have to now hustle to get pretrons done. You have to hustle to find uh, family offices or CVCs or wherever you can find to actually get money. To <laughs> and you have to, um, yeah, it's a different job. It's a different job, and I think it's actually a a privilege for this generation of investors to go through this because that's where you learn to be a really, really good investor. And that's easier said than done because it's less fun, obviously, and much, much harder, much, much more emotionally straining than speeding through up rounds, obviously. But again, I think the key point is we're going through every team. So we have these six uh, sector teams, and each team is is now um, spending quite a bit of time in examining their portfolio. And truly understanding what's going on in each company. I mean, the easy thing is runway, right? I mean, it's easy to say, okay, let's make sure you get 24 to 36 months runway clear. But the much more important question in my mind is, this is now the chance to ask yourself, do you really have product market fit? Do you really know what you're doing? And if not, this is a perfect excuse to recalibrate. I mean, this is now the chance to set your agenda straight in your company and maybe downsize, definitely take out burn and then really think very, very hard what is the reason why you're here and what is the reason why your product is needed in the market. And in some cases, and we definitely have cases, uh, the answer is yes, we do have product market fit and yes, we can play offense. And then I personally believe there's very much an opportunity to do that. I mean, we have so much dry capital out there. So if you're clear what you have and what you're want to do, and your investors are, are, are really 100% behind it, you can play offense and actually take advantage of this market. When we, we just had quite a few rounds being closed as we speak with very good valuations
3: and top-tier investors. So it's not that the market is completely shut down. Am I right to understand what you just said? Another way to say it could have been, you know, kind of, of reassessing or, or recalibration, to use your own words, of the follow-on strategy?
2: Beyond that, when I was a founder... I raised so much money so quickly that I just focused on expanding. I focused on growth and that didn't focus on product anymore. I was able to spend my way out of a lot of issues in reality. And I think that's exactly (laughs) the moment now where you are not, you shouldn't spend your way out of problems anymore, right? If your CAC LTV ratio is shitty, then it is shitty. And then you should actually be very, very careful. So now is the chance to take a step back and and think about your products, think about your team and make the hard decisions that often are necessary but often in this high momentum game that we played the last couple of years um, it was hard to do them because there was always the next round around the corner and the next term sheet in front of you so you wouldn't you don't want to touch something when something is is, is moving 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 fast but i think now we have a chance to do that
1: we have had this article go around with one of the ogs saying if you're below 34 years of age, you will not have seen a down market and you don't know shit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you, you, You didn't say it like that, but you said, well, we have a lot of young people on our team. And I'd love to ask you, you know, we have a lot of managers listening in that are both young, but we also have some that are more established and they find themselves in the mentor role here that I'm guessing that you're finding yourself in inside your firm. How are you going about, you know, Yeah, to some extent, we should say coaching, right? (laughs) How do you go about getting these young investors through this period? Because it it is hard to have gone through upround, upround, (laughs) upround.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the thing. I think you have to recalibrate your own goals and then a bit of your own ego uh, perspective, right? If your self-worth is driven by uprounds, it will be tough the next two years. If your self-worth is driven by... Actually, navigating your founders through this situation—you will—it's very satisfying, extremely satisfying, actually, to do that and really making it in reality. A lot of our job was actually super easy and actually not very satisfying. I found because okay, (laughs) I can do a few intros to top-tier funds and watch things play out. I mean, that's not very challenging or interesting. Helping our founders now to ask these questions that I raised before and then and be very precise in them and then go through this emotional roller coaster, which means that maybe you have to separate yourself from your co founders. Maybe you have to even get out yourself from this role. I mean, these are the real stuff. That's the interesting stuff that we're doing. That's what I want to see from my investment team now. And I think a lot of them are eager to lean forward and do that.
1: I actually think that we have on tape that you set almost exactly that back in december (laughs) so i I actually think that we have on tape proof that you're not just uh, saying that you're happy to be in this situation i think we should go to the next question which is speed and mast is so big that you're raising funds all the time (laughs) so that means you're out there racing for a couple of funds now how are you adjusting on that uh
2: Well, it's not fun. <laughs> I think it's definitely is one of the toughest fundraising environments over the last 10, 15 years. I think that's a reality. On the other hand, again, we've been lucky a couple of times with fundraising, so so it's okay to be not lucky this time. <laughs> it's interesting because all the LPs I talked to, everybody would quickly agree that it's obviously going to be a great vintage. Right? Yeah. Everybody understands this. Does this mean that they're uh, ready to invest? No.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so I, yeah, what does it mean? You just have to knock on a lot more doors. You have to be uh, super active and maybe also recalibrate on which doors you knock. A lot of the institutional investors really are, are just waiting, waiting until uh, the fall to see where, where this is going. And it doesn't make any sense to keep pushing them. They, they, they will need to take the time. On the other hand, smaller investors, maybe investors that are closer to the seed ecosystem, uh, they understand this is now an interesting perspective mm-hmm. to invest. And then, of course, you have the public uh, fund of funds, right, uh, which have been sometimes dismissed as not tier one investors, but I think everybody is now very happy to have them. And <laughs> and so, yeah, you have to adjust and, again, hustle. <laughs> what can I say? A new kind of hustle. I love that one. I, I wrote that down. <laughs> I was actually in Amsterdam yesterday and then I met a couple of new managers that are doing the first fund. And that is so much more difficult. You know, for us, it's a, the a fourth fund. Uh, we have like pretty much every LP comes back. So we start at a very different level. But if you start from scratch
3: and, and just with a piece of paper, it's it's, it's really tough these days. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious to know if what you're just talking about, so LP appetite and, you know, timings and whatnot, is that leading you guys to have internal conversations about deployment rates and uh, investment periods or not necessarily? So
0: we
2: have comparably been quite disciplined in, in deployment speed. Uh, so the last fund we deployed, so we, we just finished investing out of fund three, which took us a little bit more than two and a half years. Original plan was three years. Yeah. So our discussion is a two and a half or three. So we're now leading to three. And yes, we are maybe slowing down a little tiny bit, but in reality Speedinvest is a machine. We have these six teams, that they push, they see a deal, it's a great deal. If you do a pre-seed deal at four, five, or six million valuation, it doesn't matter that much. It doesn't matter that much. If you, if you do a, a seed deal, uh, like a high-momentum seed deal, at 20 million pre, which had, has happened the last few years. I'm not sure I would
3: do that. <laughs> <laughs> I find the nuance in your answer interesting because you say we have been comparably <laughs> disciplined. What do you mean?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, we all know, right? A lot of the, especially on the US side, typically employment speed has been down to one or one and a half years, which is, I think, pretty crazy because you have a, we have no vintage, uh, so to say, diversification in
1: Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be a tough vintage to come back
3: on. Yeah, yeah. 21 vintage. <laughs> exactly. Shifting slightly topic here, Oliver, and very curious to hear your your answer to this is... Um, A lot of people talking about these topics, media writing a lot, experts, you know, giving a lot of advice, less experts also trying to give advice. What is the most dangerous advice or behavior that you're seeing around in the market, given the current climate?
2: Any kind of blanket advice. Blanket advice in the sense of stop everything and throw out everybody, go break even. It can be so wrong, can be so terribly wrong. And on the other hand, uh, being a friendly investor and, and supporting the founder to not look at your own situation can also be terrible advice. My investors back then were so friendly to me. They always believed what I said. That was terrible. It was terrible, <laughs> it was <a> terrible <laughs> advice. So be honest. And now I think the good news is we have a little bit more time now. Things are a little bit less hectic, a little bit less uh, driven between. Around yeah. so you can actually spend a little bit more time in the board and think and discuss what exactly to do. And I think that is the environment you have to produce for your founders that there is this meaningful discussions and I think any board member who walks into a room and says, Okay, this is what you need to do, that's bad advice in itself. Yeah.
1: Oliver, before going to the quick fire, I love to ask you, there is a lot of ingenuity in periods like this on terms and how you structure deals. What have you seen so far? You said you were just in the US and that was a different market. I'm sure that you also heard some stories there.
2: Well, I mean, what do you see these days? You see uh, all kinds of structure in the rounds. You see multiple uh, liquidation preferences. You see uh, warrants. You see also basically a lot of flat rounds, of course, with very specific waterfall requirements. But you also do see simply um, what the most thing I see at the moment is just very high dilutive rounds so yeah. not necessarily with a lot of uh, special terms but really high like 25 30 percent dilution for a company that is actually doing fine yeah and that's I think super risky and, and that's where you need to find the balance at the end of the day and what kind of a strong market position are you
1: yeah and I was actually about to ask as an early stage investor how do you think about this it's of course different from case to case, but in general. Up until now,
2: our follow-on reserves were 100 percent used for series A piratas. We could we actually had to we had all these amazing piratas in front of us and we had to pick and choose where to put it. We didn't use any for bridge rounds because there were no bridge rounds. And what we need to do now, we need to recalibrate our pirata strategy and actually explicitly have a bucket available for financing also companies done internally, frankly and without any signal from the outside. And that's, of course, a much more difficult task, and that's where we have to find a way to compare uh, the portfolio between these different teams, because it's coming out of the same fund. And that's that's the exercise we're doing now, and making sure that the best companies, even if they don't raise, they don't need
3: need a bridge now, but, for example, in a year or two years, we still have the money to support them. How does that conversation I'm very curious because I have no idea, actually. How do those conversations take place with your LP base as well? Because that's kind of a quite significant adjustment to the investment strategy. And
2: to be honest, it hasn't so far. <laughs> <laughs> I think they trust us. I honestly think they trust us that we do the right thing. I think they understand that it's a different market. And I think the bigger exercise is really creating transparency and context within the firm. You know, it's it's easy if you have a top-tier fund coming in and you do product. It's an really easy conversation. But if you now have to, each team, so basically we're asking each team to numerically rank their portfolio and do that on a constant basis. Uh, So when they come in and then they ask for a bridge for the company AYC, and this company is actually ranked number 12 out of 15, it's a different conversation and it's ranked number three or two out of there. And then, then if you suddenly, if the ranking changes week over week, suddenly dramatically, <laughs> yeah. you can ask the right <laughs> question. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of transparency is, is something that's super important because you, it's so hard to compare situations between a, a real fast growth fintech versus a deep tech company that maybe is just in front of its breakthrough um, yep. on the tech side. So that's the tough part. LPs, if they don't believe that you can do this, then then you have a bigger issue.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Have you been able to foresee or create the right structures of incentives and alignment inside speed invest up until this period so that you're now in a position where you don't have too many? skirmishes inside or how are you tackling this because i think many funds out there are right now saying ah oh, how do you do and yeah
2: you know we had our own culture change project the last 18 months moving from multiple vertical funds to one bigger fund yeah. so I'm, I'm glad we did this i'm glad we have this behind us so to say because now it's uh, everybody feels much more like this one team uh, at the same time, historic portfolio still is coming out of these vertical funds and their interests are not 100% necessarily fully aligned. But the cultural exercise is already done, so that helps us. It still needs uh, conversation and time and discussions.
1: <laughs> are you thinking about Opening up the incentive schemes, you know, is that what funds need to do now to make sure that that there's alignment? Or is that something that's set in stone and shouldn't be touched?
2: It's super hard to change, like old incentive schemes, it's super hard. Uh, I think you create almost more friction than where you are. For the new fund, you know, we have this simplified uh, universal incentive scheme across the fund with no... Uh, so, to say no team aspect, so it's fine. Yeah, I, I wouldn't touch it, frankly. I think it's dangerous and you create so much more conversations uh,
3: yeah. it that are kind of painful. So, <laughs> let's move on to our quick fire round. Oliver, you were a past guest, so you know we always end with it. This one is slightly adapted. We're asking basically the same question three times to make it as redundant as we can. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just to focus on different stakeholders. And so, the first question is so, Given everything we've been talking about the current climate, what are you you saying to LPs these days? What are those conversations like? It's a great vintage. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great vintage, and repeat it and repeat (laughs) it.
0: Beautiful, (laughs) I love
1: that. That's, of course, the beauty of having only, or or to a large extent, repeat LPs, (laughs) because then the other is history. So let's not talk 2021. (laughs)
3: There's always a new (laughs) fund. Exactly. Second question, which is exactly the same. What are you saying these days to uh, fellow VCs, co investors, and just people you know in the ecosystem? Well, let's syndicate a bit more again, no? <laughs> 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 let's start with our friends again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. Uh, third and final question is what about founders? What are you telling them these days?
2: That's the most difficult one. Uh, to Honestly, stay sane. <laughs> watch out for yourself because it's not going to be fun. Yeah.
1: That is a good ending quote. Stay sane. Thanks a million, Oliver, for joining us here today. It was a blast and always awesome to be able to uh, pick your brains on things like this.
2: Thank you. Really fun for me as well. So yeah, let's do this again. Thank you. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The European VC the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love our show, share it with your friends and join us in the EUVC community syndicates at the EuropeanVC.com. This episode is part of a special series on navigating the current market and is sponsored by Isma Capital, one of Europe's leading fund of funds. We thank Isomer for their support in making this episode possible and being a strong supporter of the EUVC community. If you haven't yet connected with them, make sure to do so. You couldn't wish for a better LP partner.